The following podcast was recorded on Thursday, March 31st, 2022, featuring Sam Ryans of Arbor Data Science. To hear the podcast in real time, you can sign up for a free trial at arborresearch.com or by emailing Gus Handler directly at gus.handler at arborresearch.com. You can also call Arbor Research and Trading at 1-800-606-1872. Thanks for your time and enjoy the podcast. Welcome everyone to the latest edition of Talking Data. I'm your host, Kristen Radish with Arbor Research and Trading, joined today by our commentator, Sam Rines of Arbor Data Science. Welcome, Sam. Great. Thanks for having me. Today, Sam will discuss how Bitcoin and gold have performed as inflation hedges and or doomsday hedges. So Sam, during turbulent times, there's always a search for somewhere to hide. Given inflation pressure and the war in Ukraine, many have turned to gold and Bitcoin, expecting them to outperform and using them as hedges. But how has how has gold performed and Bitcoin? Oh, well, it's it, it's it's really interesting, right? You have the threat of World War III on your doorstep, and you have inflation running at more than seven percent. And what happens with gold? It instantly pops to 2000 and then right straight back down. Uh, it, it turned out that it, basically to pre-invasion levels, right? So uh, World War III ended up, you know, it, 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 for a minute, you had a little bit of a run up in gold, but it didn't persist, right? So you're sitting back at just about pre-invasion uh, pre levels, whoop-de-doo. Um, and the critical part here is that you have inflation as well, right? And realized inflation is running well above what the Fed wants it, uh, where the Fed wants it to be. Um, that's supposed to be an additional tailwind to gold. So you had two of the kind of best underlying conditions conceivable uh, for an outperformance in gold, and it turned out that it, it just didn't do it. Uh, I think there's a, a couple of reasons for that. One, uh, gold tends to do a little bit better when you're talking about realize, talking about the expectation of inflation, not necessarily realized inflation. That's that's the first point. Uh, but the second point is that the geopolitics of gold with the Russian invasion were different this time. Uh, Russia has a lot of gold. And the U.S. and European partners froze their uh, the Russians' liquid central bank assets almost instantaneously, and basically all they had left was a lot of gold. Um, to potentially sell. So that was that was a significant overhang and probably is going to persist to be an overhang uh, regardless of how the war uh, continues to unfold uh, as sanctions are unlikely to come off as quickly as they came on. Um, so if we talk about something that we know for certain, we know that the Fed tightening cycle is coming. Yes. How, is gold, how has gold performed during the past rate hike cycles? It's interesting. It's 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 kind of this weird, um, kind of situational type deal, right? It doesn't it doesn't absolutely have to do poorly during a rate hike cycle. If you look at uh, the 1970s, it did incredibly well uh, during a hiking cycle. In early 2000s, did great during a hiking cycle. Uh, the difference is that when it does really really well is not during a hiking cycle. When you allow inflation expectations to really pick up more. Uh, so if you look at when gold massively outperformed, it was following 2008 in the run-up uh, to 2013, while the Fed had, while the Fed was lowering rates, doing quantitative easing for the first time uh, since uh, actually the 1920s. Uh, that was 1930s. That's that's an interesting scenario, right? Gold tends to do well not when the Fed uh, is necessarily hiking or doing anything. It's when inflation expectations are being allowed to run up 
uh, right now the Fed is waging a war against inflation expectations, wanting them to come down um, and is going to raise rates to do that, right? They've made that very, very clear. I think that's a signal that you've probably seen gold's heyday uh, coming out of, uh, call it 2019 to 2022, give or take. Uh, so you're likely to have seen a peak there as the Fed really goes and begins to wage a little bit of a war uh, against inflation and inflation expectations. In uh, going back to that last chart, I think this is an interesting point to make as well. Um, is the crypto was supposed to also be this really interesting hedge against, uh, call it the, the sanction regime, war, inflation, etc. cetera. Uh, and what it did was until it looked like there was some diplomacy going on, it just chopped sideways. Uh, it really didn't do much at all. Um, one of the things that we pointed out on a previous call was that the hash rate in Russia, which is basically the mining capabilities for Bitcoin, uh, were the second largest of any country, second only to the U.S. Uh, so there was a there's the potential there was the potential for a while that Russia was going to quote unquote shut off the internet. That would have been a huge problem uh, for Bitcoin mining in general, and would have caused uh, some call it ruckus uh, within uh, the within Bitcoin. Uh, so again, the geopolitical overhang. Uh, was a little sideways this time around, not necessarily uh, what people expected. And you have a chart on search activity for inflation hedges overlaid with gold, crypto, and Bitcoin. What does the search activity tell us? <clears throat> it's it's a really interesting uh, chart because one of the things I think is really interesting uh, is that you would have thought that uh, in this environment that searching for cryptocurrency would have picked up somewhat significantly. Right? That, uh, you know, how do you invest in a world where there's inflation, war, et cetera, uh, sanctions? Uh, you would have thought that Bitcoin, crypto in general would have picked up on the search side. It really hasn't that much. I mean, it's off its lows, but it's not really, it's not really trending much higher. Um, gold, on the other hand, absolutely searched. I mean, it went right through the roof um, uh, relative to everything else. Uh, that that to me is kind of interesting. I think that was a little bit of the news stories uh, surrounding the amount of gold Russia uh, held and how it had, you know, really fortified itself against sanctions, et cetera, uh, which is kind of interesting. They hold less than half the gold of the U.S. So, you know, there's that. Um, on the other front, it's really intriguing to me just how volatile the search for Bitcoin has been. Uh, you know, call it from last summer to the end of last year, now, et cetera. It's, it's a pretty interesting chart from a psychological perspective of it's very, very wavy and tends to not necessarily uh, flow the way that uh, people thought. Uh, so I think that's, a, that's an interesting thing to pay attention to as we move forward is that, you know, this is a very uh, risk on, risk off type asset. Uh, and it can be risk on and risk off very quickly. And Sam, you've described Bitcoin and crypto as tip of the spear risk assets. Can you explain more? Sure. So it's it's interesting, right? We you tend to, you know, we tend to call markets risk on, risk off, uh, but it's really the tip of the spear risk on, risk off asset in that when you want to put risk on, it's very easy to call it, put on a very, very risky, volatile asset in cryptocurrency generally, and Bitcoin in particular, Ethereum, whatever it might be, you can put that on very, very quickly if you believe that it's going to be a positive risk asset environment 
uh, for call it a quick catch up or uh, call, or significant outperformance potentially. Uh, so it tends to be that first mover of it tends to be the first mover of risk assets. And can you also touch on the role of commodities? You had spoken about this earlier in January. Yes, this is this is the interesting part, right? So we're all, you know, everybody wants a place to hide, a, a differentiator within a portfolio that allows, uh, that takes down the overall risk. You know, yeah, it's supposed to be gold, it's supposed to be crypto. Uh, we talked about the place to hide being commodities um, earlier in January. Uh, you know, commodities broadly have done very, very well over the past uh, six months, uh, partly because we've been coming out of COVID uh, but also partly because we underinvested for the past three to five years in oil and gas wells, in new mining capabilities, et cetera. So you have a combination of an economy that's unlocking, uh, at least the US and parts of Europe, uh, but you also have an underinvestment story there too. So it's an interesting longer term uh, issue that we're going to have to deal with, not just on the energy front, but also in metals, uh, food, et cetera. So in summary, Sam, what should we watch for going forward? Oh, well, it's interesting. I would be watching the uh, rhetoric around an SPR release. Uh, that's an interesting short-term uh, mechanism to uh, suppress oil prices. In the longer run, I would say that that's probably a positive for oil and energy prices, but it, 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 that's more of a medium-term thing. In the short term, you're likely to see uh, oil at least capped by the threat of a significant SPR release, uh, which should help on the inflation front uh, and should trickle through at least somewhat to gas prices uh, over the next, you know, call it three to four weeks. But uh, in the longer run, you pull forward, uh, call it pull out the SPR, uh, you're going to have to refill that at some point and it's going to uh, reduce the overhang for the oil market and allow oil prices to rise in the medium term. Well, thank you, Sam, for your thoughts today. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. As a reminder, we are client-driven. If you have any questions or feedback for future topics, please let us know. If you have any questions, please contact Gus Handler at gus.handler at arborresearch.com. Have a great day. Thank you.